feel that tension. I thought I might just take a moment and pray together with y'all for our country and for suffering people. God hears, and it's a, it's a, a small prayer from a small place, but maybe together we just can lift it up, lift up those things together for us. If you will, God, I'm not the, uh, uh, I don't have the right words uh, to come before you with these things. But Lord, we are, uh, I don't know if we're acutely aware, God, some of us in here maybe, but we are aware of the, the contrast. Uh, many of us are suffering in this room. Uh, we also see suffering around the world that is just unbelievable. The things that have been happening between race, um, the love, the divisiveness between political parties that we, we seem to thrive on, uh, where uh, I'm this, and I'm not that, and you're that, and all those things Lord, that uh, create suffering. Uh, Lord, I pray that your, your goodness would come. We pray for your kingdom. And Lord, we pray that we would be part of bringing your kingdom. Uh, both here in Crescent Butte, where it's just as desperately needed as it is in Gunnison, and in Colorado, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, we're in Europe, um, the people that are suffering so badly that they leave their homes after uh, God, we just, uh, we just bring these things to you and lay them in your feet. This is a body, and we ask that you would hear, um, that, you would, that you would be made known, and that your kingdom would come. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, in spite of the so many difficult things uh, that are happening, I'm really excited about stuff that's happening here. Um, I wish all of you men could have been at our men's Bible study Wednesday, or Thursday morning. It was awesome. It was really good. I mean, I love it. We brought a new staff member on through right here, way through. I have a lot of people from the room. In fact, I want you to stand up real quick. See us. Let's welcome Greg. We had our first meeting this week, which was great. I think you're still on board. Okay. For a nod there, so that's good. Uh, Palmer. Miller is going to be coming to be our new female uh, intern for our young women. So really, she comes on the 17th of September, so we'll be praying for her. That's just great news. Uh, we're really excited about that, and uh, we, we need people that are pouring into the youth here, as all of you know. Um, so we're super excited. A lot of good things happening. Uh, so anyway, just wanted to share that with you. I'm, I'm excited. And I'm excited to ride with some of you all. Anyway, uh, we are in the next to the last of this series that we've been doing for several weeks now. We've been in a series called It's Your Call, looking at the calling that God lays on the hearts of people to move forward with Him. Right? And so many of you have been here, you've heard some of these. I hope that something has resonated with you and pulled you forward. That you, one of these characters from the scripture has been someone who has, has engaged you in a way that said, okay. That their experience spoke into your life is Today, uh, we're going to look at a beautiful story that is one of those stories that the more it's short, 
It's only 10 verses long, but the more that you peel away from it, the deeper and deeper it goes. It's an amazing passage, an amazing narrative of Christ, of Jesus' interaction with someone in the Scripture. This is the story of the woman who was so ill, and she touches his, his cloak and his heel. And it's in Mark 5, so if you want to turn there, it'll be great. We read from the ESV here, so that's the version I'm reading from. Here's what I want to say about this woman, about the calling that she had. This is, this is what it was. She was called to a life-changing faith. We don't have a name for her, so we're going to keep calling her that woman. Uh, she was called to a life-changing faith. And, and that's the thing that I guess I'm laying out before all of us right now. That there is no doubt in my mind that if you're in this room or wherever you are, God is calling each of us to a life-changing faith. So hopefully at some point in this story as we follow this, there'll be a place where you can turn off and meet with God and be thinking, listening, see where it is that he is calling you to that a life-changing faith. Not faith where we know about Jesus or sort of interact with him occasionally, but life-changing. So Let's look at the passage. Mark 1, I mean Mark 5, 24. So a great crowd followed Jesus and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather she was worse. And she heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. For she said, if I touch his garment, then I will be made well. And immediately, the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and you say, who touched you? Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling. And she fell down before him, and she told him the truth. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. This girl, this woman, was called to life-changing faith. And there are three parts of that that I want to open up to you as we walk through the story again together. Three things. One is belief, one is healing, and one is relationship. Belief is the beginning of life-changing faith. Belief is the beginning of life-changing faith. Healing is the result of life-changing faith. And relationship is the reality. Belief is the beginning, healing is the result, relationship is the reality. So let's talk about this uh, belief and this process that she goes through. Before she comes to believe in Jesus, she is desperate. I can't imagine a much more desperate situation. Verse 25 says, she had a discharge of blood for 12 years. This is a long time to be suffering in a way like that. Right? This is a, 
Her, her reproductive system is killing her, right? And it's, it's a problem that has a much bigger implication for her in her culture than just with her own body. She's already suffering physically and how she feels for 12 years, but she has this, suf- this social suffering too. If you're aware at all of like some of the, the Hebrew rules about cleanliness and those, those things, this just piled up on her the difficulties that she was facing. Okay? And then the stigma in things that she would face because of this as well in her Hebrew culture, in that culture at, at in general. So she, she's feeling all of these things, but that's, that's not even it. She's gone to doctors to try to find healing. And a lot of them, it says, but she's actually gotten worse. Now, that's very discouraging. Right? <clears throat> things are getting worse and worse for her. In verse 26, it says, she suffered under many physicians, and she spent all that she had. That's one of the things about poverty. You don't know when it's going to strike. A lot of times it happens through physical things. Something happens in our life, and everything gets turned upside down. It could be a relationship that can absolutely turn everything. These different parts of our life, everything changes. A job, and suddenly someone who was successful or healthy doing great in life or whatever that's like, suddenly this thing called poverty has set in. She's experiencing that in an incredibly powerful way. She's now broke. She has no one to turn to. No one is helping her. None of the doctors that have can help. And she's sicker than she ever was. So she is in this desperate situation. I, uh, I wonder, and I'll ask you, and I'll ask myself this, where is my desperation? Because I have immersed myself in my comforts and the things that I enjoy to the point that it's almost like an addiction. And I have there's a moment of sobriety when I come out and say, I need Jesus so badly. You know? I, there's something bigger, but I have anesthetized myself to the point where I'm just enjoying everything. Because things are good if they are. I'm always after that stuff, right? But there are these moments where I realize it's it's not that I have to feel desperate in pain, but that I realize that I have this incredible need for the one true God in relationship with Him, in healing in Him, the goodness that He brings. And there are just these times, and maybe you can relate to this, I don't know, suddenly I'll sort of peek out above the morass of the things that I think are making everything perfect. You realize that it's not right, and there's something much, much better. They would organize all of that other stuff. So where is my my desperation? God had a plan for her to get to a moment of desperation, and she realized the last thing possible was to find Jesus. But for her, hearing was the beginning of belief. Did you notice that in the passage? It says she heard about Jesus. She heard what he was doing. And apparently a lot of other people had heard that too. And, and here's another little challenge for those of you who are believers in this room. Which I think maybe most of us, I don't know, but here, here's the thing. Uh, it says that she heard about Jesus. And I think that's important for us to recognize as believers because... Uh, she didn't catch the news about Jesus because of osmosis from someone who believed. Where they hoped that they would, that she would kind of understand that they were a follower of Jesus. Right? 
you know, maybe somehow by the fact that I don't say bad words, they'll know that I'm a follower of Jesus. Right? Or because I do these certain things, because I go to church. So she actually heard that there was this man who was God, and he was doing things that were unbelievable. And he was healing. She heard those words. And I think that's something that as believers, if you're one of those, that's really need to hear. She, she needed to hear it. It needs to be said. We need to tell the story of who he is so that people actually know, so that they can say, hmm, I wonder if that's what I need as well. I wonder if that's the solution to my desperation. Well, she hears it, and then there's this incredible thing where the Spirit works with her. It wasn't the people who told her. It was the Spirit working with her and the information that she heard, and suddenly she's saying, I need to check this out. God is working in this woman's life, and she says, okay, I'm going to go see that she's moved actually to action. There's a... There's something I think is, is incredible about this. That she, she presses her way through the crowd and she gets to Jesus and she, she has come to this point of faith where she says, I, I know if I just touch his cloak that I will be healed. This is what she believes. Zoom out for a second. Think about this. We're reading this in the Bible, the story of Jesus, if you will, the story of the Messiah. And he is okay with being the last resort. Okay? That's what this story is about, right? He, he doesn't have to be the, the first one. He's the, he, she's seen everybody. She's done everything. She's out of all of her money. Everything that would make things right. He's the last resort. That's the story, and he's okay with that. This, sometimes if you're you know, meditating this week, just think about what that means about this God that we're talking about. It was your last chance, and he was okay. Her desperation led her to him. And so in, in that desperation, hearing that, she believed. Right? She, moved, she believed, and this life-changing faith was the result. And so the first part is this process of belief that happens. And many of us have been through that ourselves. But the second thing is a healing is the result, I mean, healing is the result of life-changing faith. Okay, so let's talk about this healing thing. It says in 29, immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. That must have been amazing. Right? I mean, you had 12 years of suffering and instantly it's done. And she, she there was a overwhelming sense of that illness. You know, when you feel sick, you feel sick. It was done, y'all. That must have been. You know, can you just imagine this, the, what it was like for her to then step back away from him. Obviously, she drifts back into the crowd just a little bit. And she's like, this is, I'm, I'm well. You know, it must have been incredible, that feeling, that moment where she crossed into that relationship, that new kind of relationship where they actually touched Jesus but here's a question we have to ask. I hope you're asking. So, this guy be saying that if I just have enough faith, then I'll be healed. Because that's you, you can make this story sound like that. You can you can make that say, well. If you're not healed, you don't have enough faith. Because that seems to be the process that's happening. Um, the answer to that question is, is no. Just. 
having the right faith does not make us candidates to be physically healed here. Or just, what do I say It does not make the burden fall on Jesus to heal us here. Because knowing Jesus is about permanent healing. It's about healing forever. It's not necessarily about physical healing here. And now it may be. But think about this. As soon as she was healed of this, did all of her problems go away? Did she suddenly have resources? Were her debts paid? Were her relationships restored? Was she not that woman who had that stuff happen to her? All of those things are still, and she's still in this world. She's still going to die. These things are, she is still a victim of sin. She's still suffering with that, just like we all will. Whether we're healed of certain things, or certain things are renewed in our life or not, we're still in the milieu that is in this world, in this earth, this world. And I think it's, it's important that we realize that when we come to him, and we believe that he will heal us, because heal us is, is healing us as a part of the relationship of renewed faith in him. When we come to him, what we do is we say, I'm putting my trust in your timing. Jesus, I'm putting my trust in your timing to heal me. So it's not about faith. It's not about doing things right or getting it just good enough or something you did in your past or something you're going to do in your future. That, that isn't, if you look at the scripture, that's not. I think something's really interesting. Look at verse 34. It says, And he said to her, this is in the bottom, Daughter, your faith has made you well. He's not saying you have the right kind of faith, everything's just right for you. Faith is only as valid as the object that faith is in. Okay? So, when he says, your faith has made you well, what he's saying is, I have made you well. Your faith pointed you to the one who could heal you. It wasn't like, you, you check all the right boxes. And I, think it's, I think it's really important that we notice this is, your faith has made you well. It doesn't say, and here's a formula for all people that are going to come after you. Do these things, touch my, find a piece of my clove or whatever it is, you know. The point is, your faith is made you well today. So belief is the beginning of life-changing faith, and healing is the result of that. It's the healing comes in his time, because he will make all things right. That is what he is here for, what he came for. But relationship is the reality. And uh, this piece of this story, this relationship, though it has started in such a, an unusual way, is amazing. And it, and it plays out to all of us who are believers. Here is, uh, here is a relationship. She has no idea of all this. She doesn't know what he's going to do. Right? She doesn't know the whole story, right? She couldn't have known. The relationship that is the reality of knowing Jesus is one where you and I are healed, are valued more than we could ever possibly be valued by anyone else. Validated more than you could ever be validated no matter how broken you are. This is the relationship that you're moving into by faith with Jesus. 
That's that new place that you're going. Um, I mean, he's going to die for you. And then he's going to take your brokenness, all your messed upness, and the gifts that he gave you to start with, and he's going to use them for, for the best things in the world. Right? For good. That's what he's going to do. He's going to take all of that stuff and use it in relationship with him, and he's going to walk with you the whole way. Now, that's an amazing kind of relationship. I But here's the thing. They're, going, they're moving along in the crowd, and Jesus stops and says, who touched me? And the disciples, they, they actually joke about it. Look at it. You probably noticed that in verse 30. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out, he immediately turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And the disciples said, uh, there's a crowd pressing around you, you know, and yet he said, who touched me? You know, they're just seeing this obvious thing that everybody sees. Everyone is touching him. Everyone is bumping into him. And the disciples are like, uh, Jesus, obviously. You know, come on. Uh, but there's, some, there's a little lesson to be learned in that. And that there are people all around him, touching and bumping into him, in his presence, right with the actual disciples. How cool would that be? You know? But there's only one that touches him in faith. See, we can, we can be around Jesus. People can be around Jesus and know about him and not be in relationship with him. Okay? I'm not trying to condemn anybody for being close. What I'm saying is there may be more out there. See, it's, it's real easy for us to, to say, hey, yeah, I believe in that. But you see, there's this thing that, this place where she moved in belief that went to this faith that was much more significant than just knowing about Jesus. I, I brought this, uh, I don't usually use uh, things like this, but this is a stool that I found up in the office. And, you know, I know what it is. I can be close to it. But to actually, you know, get on it is another thing. Right? If I, if I get on this stool, don't be afraid. I tested this beforehand. <laughs> you know, I'm um, you know, really saying I put my faith in this, right? I trust this thing. There is a, a place where we move from knowing about something, perhaps you know, it being in our house, or maybe we go to look at it every now and then. You know, there's a change. There's a difference between actually putting on all of our labor, right? But you, guys, you guys all know that. You've all seen something like this before. But this is that, that place where... Um, we we have thought if I'm good enough, if I do the right things, if I go to church enough, I don't know if this resonates with any of you, but I thought this for a long time in my life. If I get confirmed, you know, if I take communion, if I do some sacraments, then then I'm there. But, but this is not what we're saying. Is it's not about rules and doing things. You know, Jesus is about knowing Jesus and putting faith in Him completely. That's that life transforming. Faith. It's, uh, I think it's important to know that it's what he does that puts us in relationship with, uh, with us, with him, not what we do. It's what he did that made it possible. It's not what you can do. It's not what I can do. Our only part, the only thing we do is believe. That's it. That's it. 
If we ever had to earn it, none of this would make sense. Uh, a couple more things on this. I, I was just, I'm just so taken by the situation. I mean, can you imagine the scene when he stops and he looks around to see? Can find this person? You know, those like uh, scenes after the football game. It's about to be football season, by the way. I'm very excited. That may reduce our numbers a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> if I go long, we will for sure. Um, but you know, when the, like the star of the game, let's just say it's the quarterback. You know, the game's over, it's a big game, and there's just you know, crap. All these cameras, you know, all this stuff, all the people are pressing in. There's a couple of policemen that look real stern, like they're doing something real special, you know, and they're pushing through, you know, and, and there's a, uh, uh, some, you know, one particular uh, journalist is somehow allowed to get in there and talk to them. You know how this goes. You can see the scene. It's, it's not quite as glossy by any means, but it's a similar scene. You know, these people are pressed in around Jesus. And they're obviously all touching him. And he's, going, he's going to do something, which we'll talk about in just a moment. And they're touching him. And suddenly he stops and says, somebody touch him. And so everyone in that circle is caught off guard. Right? What's going on? And, and he turns around. It's a dusty scene now. It's not all you know, clean like after. But he turns around and he's... he's He's looking for this one person, and certainly in there, there was some eye contact, right? I just, I love to think about those moments where Jesus makes eye contact with the person that he's really dealing with, especially someone who's been suffering, you know? And there's this moment where he clearly makes eye contact with her, and she comes up, and she makes her way back, however far it was, and she falls at his feet, she just tells him everything, right there. He totally stops everything to hear what's her story. Of course, he already knows her story, but he's there with her. Um, he's, in 32, it says, he looked around to see the woman, and the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, and she fell down before him and told her about the truth. Do you think that he just left her on the ground? He turned around and walked away? Okay, thanks. Do you think that he did that? I don't, I don't think that he did that. It doesn't give us that detail. I think we can be pretty sure that he reached out. And he calls her daughter. But here's the thing. Jesus, is when he stops for her, he's stopping for the wrong person. Because he's actually on a mission to do something else at that moment. He's, he's like already on the ambulance going. He's like the he's like EMS on the way. Look back at 521. This is just before, just three verses before. So Jesus crossed over in his boat. He's at the lake. A great crowd gathers around. He's beside the sea. Verse 22. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue. His name was Jairus. And seeing uh, Jesus, he fell at Jesus' feet. But this is a big deal. He knows Jesus has been healing. And he comes, this is a ruler of the synagogue, which would not be someone who would recognize Jesus at all. They're trying to avoid him. And he implored, implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your come and lay your hands on her, that she may be made well and live. And he went with her. You see, Jesus stops for this socially marginalized woman. Over 
going to heal this child who is the daughter of, this, of the guy who runs the center, is one of the leaders in the, in the center, the religious leaders. Okay? Everyone's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? For once, a religious leader is asking you to do something. You're on the way to do it, and you stop for this person. I like how Keller, uh, Tim Keller talks about it. He says, this is not something you would build into the story if you wanted to convince people that Jesus was the Messiah. If you're just making up a legend, like if you're a Mark and you're like, I want everybody to believe this, you would st- definitely stick with the Jairus story. You wouldn't go to this story. You would, you would do something different. But he stops for this marginalized woman and he takes care of her. And then he calls her daughter. Did you see that at the end? It's his daughter in your faith. There is the essence of the relationship. She is brought into this incredibly intimate, personal relationship with Jesus right now. This adoption, this safety zone of daughter, that we are now part of my family. Relationship is the reality of this kind of thing. So, here's what I want to leave you with, a thought that I've been trying to to address with myself. The the crowd of of life, the crowd of things and busyness and responsibilities and things tends to uh, push me away from being close to Jesus. And I believe, but I, I let all this other stuff happen. Okay, maybe you're someone who hasn't believed yet, but all of these other but all these other things being in the way. I just want to encourage you guys, just the same for myself, as we put pause on all of that stuff, all of those things that are the the crowd of our lives that are between us and Jesus. Stop for a second. Put that stuff on pause, walk through there, by faith, walk up to it, and go where she went. Just get down the floor and tell them the whole truth. Tell them the whole thing, knowing that healing is a promise. And relationship is the reality, but we get there by belief. So I'm going to pray for us in that. Uh, after I finish praying, if there's anyone who likes to come, Jim's going to come up, and uh, maybe a couple of other of you who are prayer warrior people here, if you'd just like to be prayed for uh, quietly, just around here somewhere, just come on up and find uh, one of those leaders, and we'll, we'll pray for you. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for an uh, incredible morning where we're just reminded of your goodness. Lord, I, I ask for each person in this room now that we would. Pause the crowd for a second, that we would have the faith, that you would inspire us, that somehow in the way your spirit does that, that where you somehow uh, move in us and, and allow uh, us to have that one little piece of belief. And I pray that you would draw us into your son, and then we would get close and follow his feet, be able to tell him everything, and God experience what it is to be called the son or daughter of kids, and be in a relationship. And Lord, we, uh, we pray that today, as we walk out of here to different places we go, as we walk up into town, 
Lord, that the, the goodness of Jesus would be expressed, uh, certainly not any kind of condemnation or anything like that, but that this community would sense and know and feel the love of Christ that he was in the people who attend this church. So we lay that out before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.